0: Welcome to Go For Your Life. Thank you so much for tuning in and giving me your listening ears. Woohoo! This is a podcast for everyone, about everything. And it's to encourage, inspire, uplift you to go for your life. And it is presented and hosted by myself, Caro. Caro my sweet dog Sparky. Give it up for him. I hope you're ready. Enjoy. Alrighty and we are back for another episode of Go For Your Life and today is a very special episode um, because we have um, well in a way two guests but also kind of like a guest and then a co-host but we already have a co-host of course because as you all know Sparky is uh, our co-host who's also right here. You might hear him Cry in the background a little bit He's looking at me right now like What is all this um, But anyway um, Miguel is here uh, And it's funny because it feels like uh, Our very first episode It's true Um So Miguel is here today And um, we are um, waiting for Stuart Stuart will join us in about half an hour um, Stuart Gilchrist And um, it's very special Because we're making an episode Specifically on addiction And it's something that I've been thinking about wanting to do an episode on for a long time, and uh, Stuart is doing a workshop series where he's um, talking about addictions, and he's also kind of talking about yoga therapy, in a way, for people with addictions, and it just made me think of doing this episode. So, welcome, Miguel.
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh,
0: in our, uh, here we are, sitting together in our living room, making, exactly. this, uh, making this episode. At home. At home, on the couch. Um, With a cup of tea Uh, So just the reason why I ask you uh, in this episode as well And and, you know co-host this Mm -hmm. with me uh, Talking to Stuart in a minute Is very much your passion for being straight edge And um, maybe tell people what that means, what that
1: is So straight edge is a term from punk hardcore And it's pretty much someone that abstains from uh, substance use Mm -hmm. It's pretty basic. No smoking, no drugs, no drinking. Mm -hmm. That's what Straight Edge is. Yeah. And then what you do with Straight Edge, that's what's interesting to me. Because there's a lot of people that take it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Although we're all Straight Edge uh, or people that claim it. We're all straight-edge, uh, but then we have different ways of um, living it or different ways of um, linking you, that to other things. What do you mean? So okay. I mean, like, for example, there's a lot of, for most people, straight-edge is a personal choice. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not. Okay. Like veganism, when there's, like, victims or when my impact can be negative towards others, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a personal choice. Okay. Uh, And uh, in the drug world, I can also see a lot of violence, a lot of. uh, But it is
0: your personal choice to to uh, abstain from it. Yeah, of course.
1: That's the same as it's also my personal choice to be vegan. Yeah. But what I mean with personal choice, like some people really, it's really a personal choice, like Mm -hmm. it is to wear a, a red. Sweater instead of a black sweater, you Mm -hmm. know, like, it's just personal. And to me, it's a little bit more political and more social. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's what I mean with uh, the difference between... Okay, uh, okay.
0: Because it's a little bit confusing uh, when you say, like, oh, it's, you know, because, you know, in
1: a way it is... uh, Everything is a personal choice. But uh, what I mean is that uh, I connect straight edge with other struggles and other... And
0: um, why? why... Why why are you doing this? Like why like what what did something happen to you in your life that you were really like man I can't stand alcohol or drugs or like what?
1: No, it was always very But you, you you are you've been doing this from a young age, right? Yes. Uh I tried alcohol. Uh I actually didn't really like it. Yeah, when uh, you were really young. Yes, really young. I mean like uh twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Mhm. And then uh, when I was fifteen I claimed straight edge, let's say. But when when I got into Straight Edge, it felt really natural because that was, it felt like, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah. It feels natural. It feels real. It feels but then, because right. the,
0: the, you, so for the record, you're about to turn 40 <laughs> in a few weeks. Um, but you were, you, you've been doing this since you were 15. Yes. Right. Yeah. So were you, when you were younger, were a lot of your friends giving you shit like, oh, you're such a
1: loser, you're like, you don't drink, uh, uh, like Not really, because a lot of my friends at the time also turned straight edge.
0: Yeah, right, so you, you were know, a little bit so, in, a, in a bubble, uh, probably. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, okay. So we all got really so, excited with but that punk I mean, but and we did... Uh, but didn't you have,
0: like, school parties or, you know... Yes, like, but the,
1: I never felt bullied or n- I never... You probably mm, didn't even... Maybe it was happening, you didn't even notice. Or I didn't really realize, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't... I never had, like, a weird... Uh, and later on in life, like,
0: have you been in situations where people were, like... Yeah,
1: definitely. Also because it's so socially accepted to drink alcohol especially or mm-hmm. to do or smoking cigarettes or and do people use some drugs
0: do or? people use the term like oh yeah mm-hmm. i'm straight edge when they aren't coming for the punk scene
1: not really no and most people didn't know mm-hmm. what straight edge uh, meant. meant so when people outside punk and hardcore mention straight edge, they normally say drug-free. So yeah, drug-free yeah, yeah. is the more mainstream term for Yeah, it's like edge. the coin for like, yeah. okay, this is so how So straight edge is living, uh, or, or living straight edge uh, is uh, uh, the same as living drug-free. And so
0: when you, when you think about so. um, drugs and alcohol, like what, mm-hmm. what is, I mean, I, I guess it's an obvious question, but I mean, what is the problem?
1: What is the main problem? I uh, The main problem to me is increasing violence in society.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't want to contribute to that. Mm-hmm. I want to do the opposite. I yeah. want a more peaceful world. Uh, I don't want my actions to harm anyone else yeah. uh, than myself if I decide to. Mm-hmm. Um. And by this, I mean, like, uh, even when I eat, uh, like, junk food, for example, I yeah. know that it's bad for me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, As long as it didn't harm anyone else, yeah. I'm okay with that. And that's the same with drugs. like. Mm. Uh, but the fact that uh, drug dealing and... Um, and uh, drug consumption is linked to violence into even like uh, other horrible things like uh, human trafficking or guns Mm. or you know violence in general yeah Um, and it's so bad to see like what alcohol can actually push people to do in Mm. a way yeah and they might already be angry at the world they might already be let's say crazy yeah but if you add alcohol to in the, the parts. mix. Yeah, yeah, in the mix. It's just going to be like a bomb. Yeah. So I want to represent something that I believe in. So yeah. I want to be an example of someone like a citizen that actually can socialize and can uh, can uh, live uh, among other people. But I'm trying to give my best as a human being and I'm trying to harm no one else in yeah. the process. yeah. Because yeah. The okay. consequence and the impact that all drugs have in the world, in communities, and uh, yeah, is uh, horrific.
0: And how do you see addiction then? Like, what, do you have? Do you have experience yourself?
1: Unfortunately, I have some uh, family members that struggled with a uh, heavy addiction. Um, of oh, substance, then maybe yeah, substance uh, use, of course, mm-hmm. and, uh, heavy drugs. It's really oh, bad, sparky. and I witnessed that uh, like firsthand, like, uh, and um, and yeah, of course, I. It's also more hurting because it's uh, it's your from, family, yeah, it's my family, yeah. But still, I can see that it's horrible uh, for our family. And it's also horrible for their communities. Yeah, and it's just like sad to also sometimes you can't do much when it's about heavy drugs. Mm-hmm. It really has to come from the person. That but is did the these there.
0: these family members know that you uh, that you don't that you live drug yes, uh, drug do. free? Yes, they totally. And do they find that? even more strange because they have an addiction themselves uh
1: i don't or, know RFA? some of them they're proud of me yeah they like it
0: but, but i think for you different. it is different though right because you know like a lot of people that are that chose to live mm. a drug-free life have had addictions or have it's, had yeah I know you've lot, never yeah, you know no, you were no. 15 you were like okay i'm gonna live yeah. my life drug-free but yeah. not coming from actually and no, having an addiction exactly. yourself which
1: you know? a lot of a lot of people that I know that are straight edge came from exactly the yeah. situation that you're uh, actually that describing. Uh, describing. Yeah.
0: Because, like, what what do you think the the biggest problem? Like, why do people people get addicted? Like, what is the biggest problem?
1: Everyone has their own story and baggage, but uh, in general, I think society. Society. Yes.
0: Society is causing Brings addiction. you down.
1: Right. And what Nothing. what is it of society that brings people down then? Everything, capitalism, uh, the fact that uh, we're all under so much pressure to live under these rules and laws and uh, yeah, yeah, these standards of beauty, these standards of like what's healthy, what's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, social media now, like so much pressure. That it's, I think it's really easy to fall for, uh, yeah, any kind of drug consumption. Yeah, 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 yeah. It also depends on the, in a way, the the, the group of people that you're, uh, that you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And then also drugs change there. Yeah. Because it depends if you're into, even like music styles and stuff like that. It really depends what kind of drugs are in your circle. yeah uh but um but I think it's really is really uh easy to fall and is for there that. a specific drug Also that boredom like people are yeah, bored yeah yeah like, yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah that can be that can be effective and frustration
1: like uh people yeah. struggle with their jobs or their relationships or their you know like and it's just like a escape mode That's
0: and what drugs, is the biggest you know. drug in your opinion what is the most? Like the biggest, but also the, the the most uh yeah problematic drug
1: I think it's heroin, hmm and uh, that's because i I dealt directly with the uh, people from my family, yeah, uh, that uh, struggle with that
0: yeah um, yeah and' because you, okay, yes. you so you kind of have a personal you mm-hmm. have a personal relationship with that
1: yes, yeah, you can say so, yeah, because it's it was so close, close to you as well, yeah, yeah. And that person
0: is still alive? Yes. And is no, lo- no longer. That I know of? Yes.
1: Yeah. Luckily. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I think, you know, I also feel that in this society, mm. because you're saying something as heavy as heroin, mm. but I also think that a drug like alcohol is not even seen as a drug. It's like, no, yeah, no, but, no, but alcohol yeah. is alcohol. It's like, but for I me believe. personally, like alco- alcohol is the biggest drug. Uh, yeah, you know? I understand what you mean. And you underestimated know? as, In, as such. way, I agree you know? with
1: that because it's uh, it's socially accepted, and yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, and uh, yeah, companies are so strong, like uh, marketing it, because like also what what makes people feel a little bit weird about straight edge. Or about living drug free is the fact that you're committed to that. You don't open an exception yeah, on yeah, Christmas yeah, 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 or New yeah, Year's yeah. yeah. Eve to just, drink have, champagne one. just or have one. Just have wine, or you're committed to. Um, I actually really love the the, um, the sentence uh, "resistance through abstinence." Mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah. And I feel that I represent that. Yeah. So I'm resisting. This system yeah. through abstinence yeah, yeah, And that yeah. was my choice when I was 15 years yeah. old And I made that choice and, uh, But do, you, re- and
0: do you, uh, you remember Making the choice? Because like, it is a kind of a, a big a Huge thing to do when you're 15 Right yeah, I, I, like why? Yes
1: definitely um, Well once again because I was Listening to punk music And yeah. through punk music uh, You get a lot of um, Well lyrics are really important yeah, and then uh, while I was reading the lyrics, I came across like anti-fascist uh, lyrics and really militant like vegan straight edge lyrics and mm. drug free uh, lyrics and uh, animal rights and all that. It all felt really natural because I was. Uh, so also from the one thing came the other. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Like and you were getting into this
0: music, and then you yeah. understood the lyrics. And yeah. how did your direct direct family, so like your parents yeah. and stuff, how did they react? Uh, It was a a little
1: bit weird to them because um, I think they felt it was too extreme to just like, yes, uh, I'm glad you don't drink because that's every parent's uh, dream in a way Yeah. to know that the kids don't drink, their kids don't drink or do drugs in this case as well. But um, I think it was too extreme the fact that I decided to not... Drinking beer or wine or any kind of alcohol ever. Forever, yeah, but do you, do, do
0: you also feel that? I think that what sometimes happens was, is that um, other people feel judged just being in your presence. Like, do you do people do, have you experienced that in uh, your?
1: Yeah, maybe sometimes, but that's not on me, it's not my problem. Yeah, if yeah they yeah. feel yeah. judged by me living the life I chose to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, I yeah. Can, feel bad about it yeah Uh, so yeah not really
0: but i do think that that's something that
1: happens in this society we live in right uh probably yeah you know i think it happened more in the past because also in the past i i dealt way more with people that weren't like me pretty much all my friends at this stage are uh, are vegan straight actually yeah so yeah, well, I know a lot of people that aren't. But I'm. What I mean is, like, the close group of friends. Um, they're vegan straight at show. In a way, I don't really. I don't remember the last time I was in the and situation like that. If you look someone. at it, look at it, if you, you look sure back
0: now, because you're like in twenty five years doing this now. Like, will you always be doing this? Like, are you going to do this for the rest
1: of your life? Doing this, like living this life. You yeah. Know what you mean? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you can't no. see this change. Mm. I know for sure that I won't change because I decide every day to live this way. Yeah. And it still makes sense. Mm -hmm. And because there's a meaning behind it. Yeah. And there's a reason behind it, behind like every action that I take or every, even every reaction. Yeah. um, Nothing will change because like I have very specific views on the world. And on uh Animal relationships and on uh, the earth and uh, the environment. And and if you compare uh, the
0: decision, because I think the decision of going straight edge was this was in the same uh, in the same time as the decision of going vegan, right? So, is any of the two more important?
1: Um, Not really, to me. And Mm -hmm. that's because. um, So they're equally
0: important for you. It was equally important to make those
1: decisions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They are equally important. Yeah. Although, like I said in the beginning, and maybe it was a little bit confusing, uh, <laughs> uh, that some straight-edge people really see that and feel straight-edge as a personal choice. Yeah. And I don't.
0: Yeah, I just want to say no. that,
1: that even sort of just... Come have, together, right? Yes, like they come together. They as a, each other. Exactly. In yeah. my opinion, they really complement each other. Yeah. And again, the victims are not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the consequences and the impact of both actions are not the same. So Yeah. I care about all that. hmm So it's not that I care more about A and they care less about B. Yeah. I care yeah. about both equally. Mm-hmm. And um and with and of course, like, I think I, I'm more active on veganism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh but that doesn't mean that strategy is not important or or is less important. But with your strong stance,
0: like you have this really strong mm-hmm. stance specifically about, you know, drinking, addiction, you mm-hmm. you're just saying about, you know, my family members, you've seen things hands on. Um do you like do you do you jart people with addictions? Like do you see people on the street that obviously are drug users or dealers and do you
1: do you You know, feel that you judge these people Uh, because mm -hmm. of your your stance. Not really, or at least I think I don't. Mm -hmm. That's my. uh, Because what is your what is your
0: opinion on people with uh, Um, with strong addictions and victims, right? Victims of society. Victims of society. What would the solution be for for these people with with these strong addictions?
1: Uh, Well, they have to be helped course if they want to Mm -hmm. there's like so many places like rehabs and uh, people from different communities help each other yeah and there's so many things in so many places to help these people around the world that it's not hard to find these places but not a lot of people that are in these situations want help yeah Search for help, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or acknowledge that yeah, they're and that in that's of course if, if you're struggling, but I'm
0: something. sure we talk about that later with, with Stuart you as well we because have. because Stuart actually. Stuart comes from a very different place, yeah, yeah you? Because totally he, he was he was actually addicted himself, mm. you know. So
1: I think that I loved his episode, yeah. so I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To see what he has to, to say today.
0: No, but I mean, I think it's also interesting to to speak with you because you come from a very like, and and same with me as well. Like also for everybody listening, I am also very much and very passionately drug uh, drug free, and uh, and I have been for a long time because yeah of the a lot of the reasons that you're saying, but also just wanting to be sober, wanting to be pure, wanting to not put any sort of you know uh you know just you don't want these toxic shit in your body, you know you just don't want shit in your body, you know and I, I think that's something that you also always say is like you always want to be aware like you always yeah. want to be yourself, you always want to be and I you know,
1: find some kind of... It, this it purity
0: yeah. of being is also beautiful, I think. Yes,
1: and I really value the fact that I decided to embrace my life and deal with frustration, happiness, yeah. unhappiness. Yeah. All, uh, the, all, the, all the emotions all the things, exactly. we feel or yeah. might feel in our lives. Uh, sober, yeah, because I won't allow a substance to force me to laugh or to make me cry or to exactly make me frustrated. well to so already you know, like because
0: like, they're just they're just gonna make these feelings stronger, right? Yeah, no they, matter what kind of some, feelings they are. Some
1: substances amplify what you're feeling. Yeah, others just numb you down. It really depends on the yeah. kind of yeah the drugs you take. But uh, but yeah. I really find uh, peace and I find a meaning in living a sober life. Yeah. And for me, that's revolutionary. Yeah. But also very good for me. Yeah. As in, it's super healthy. Yeah. And again, it represents what what I dream of society to to, to become one day. Yeah, because
0: this is your wish for everyone, right? Yeah. So um I think that's a really beautiful opening for this we're gonna invite mm-hmm. Stu in soon thank you so much uh Miguel and also yeah if we ha- if you have any <laughs> questions we're just gonna invite Stu in and see what he has to say cool. um about addictions because I think um coming from from his workshop series and and the things that he has mentioned about addiction, I think that uh, I have some really um Yeah, I think some really good questions, Mm -hmm. if I can say that myself, but at least some questions that are really on my mind. You're really good at that. Um, And uh, you can also ask him anything. And um, so, yes, uh, let's invite Stu in. Alrighty. Welcome, Stu. So nice to meet you.
3: Hello, Caro. How are you? Miguel. Good evening. Hi there. Hi, Stu.
0: Um, Yeah, no, I was just introducing you already uh, and I had a bit of a chat with Miguel about uh, addiction because I thought it was uh, so interesting also your workshop series that you've been doing and I thought especially, um, you know, what addiction is, you know, and how you describe this. I think in one of your first workshops you're describing it also as an illness and addiction is, is, you were saying, not curable um addiction, you know, is it's sort of like an obsessive compulsive condition and all that stuff. It's, it's
2: yeah.
0: is it all kinds uh, of stuff that you've experienced yourself personally? Um
3: yeah, personally, yeah. Um a lot of it comes from um a lot of it comes from my experience with people who have been through um alcoholic anonymous and narcotics anonymous and things like that. And then um, I never did that myself. I I I only sort of you know glastonbury the huge big festival where i was at glastonbury mm. and the, you know there's 180,000 yeah. people and um we were all selling drugs and everybody's doing cocaine everybody's doing ecstasy everybody's doing whatever drugs heroin and um i i found the narcotics an anonymous tent one day in the tp field because that's where i used to hang out in the tp field quite a lot so mm. i thought i would go in just to see what it was like and then um, it didn't change me at all you know what I mean I came out and sold more drugs than ever and took more <laughs> drugs than ever and you know partied without sleeping for four days but um it gave me an idea and I went back to it of what the 12 steps are and what they use these 12 steps and all normal I don't know what it's like in Amsterdam but um I think it's worldwide uh, the 12 steps of Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous and um it always struck me as a Really useful but a bit religious you know there was a bit there was a bit of um there was a bit of god in it and the of God. as soon as someone mentioned god to me i was like no i'm not <laughs> doing god I, I don't do god um i'm not you know like i think i've, I've got a, got a couple of the books i've put just they were actually here from the other day and um if you look at the third step the the the, the steps It comes from this little book here. This is a really good book. Mm. Recovery by Lyndon Lyndon Finley, Dr. Mm. Lyndon Finley. He was like the same as me. She really liked the 12 steps, but she never quite got God. Mm. And then you know who Russell Brand is. Russell Brand did his own own recovery book.
2: Yeah. So
3: so when I realized that other people had recognized the usefulness of the 12 steps without the God, it sort of... um, sort of just made me remind it just made me remember all the things and i reminded myself of all the people i'd known who went through this illness this habit forming illness that you're you're never ever cured of addiction you're never mm-hmm. ever cured of an addiction if people say oh, i used to be a heroin addict but now i'm cured they're a liar
2: mm.
3: not being honest uh, you you always crave heroin. You always crave alcohol. You always crave cigarettes. Mm. You know you just learn how to deal with that habit. Yeah, you learn how to deal with that habit. And um, Iyengar talks about it. He talks about it in in sense of right uh, replacing a positive habit, uh, replacing a negative habit with a positive habit. Mm. And then eventually, as a yogi, you'll understand you have to get rid of your positive habits as well. But yeah. you can't go. It's very difficult in yoga to go from um, lots of negative habits to go straight to the enlightened self, the, you know this mm-hmm. enlightened being in this state of, of yoga. You, you've got to take some in-between steps. And, then, yeah. and, I, and I find it really useful to... Um, I'm a bit of an anomaly about this, so I never, ever really think... There's some people that can do what I did, and there's some people that have to teach differently and um, yeah. for me i just stopped i just i'm a bit like russell brand i just gave up i yeah. just i just total 100 percent abstention on everything i've done in my life i've went from one extreme to the other like that overnight really Stu? absolutely overnight just wow. like that's it my my liver is failing my kidney's not working very well i feel sick i feel tired and um, why is this Much alcohol, too much cocaine, too much ecstasy, too much bad living, even though I'm a vegan. You know, it was times when I was a vegan and I was still doing the drugs, you know? Yeah. I was was like 100% healthy food or healthy ish food, no animals, no dairy, nothing, but then lots of drugs. And then I just realized I can either replace slowly and do things slowly and progressively or just stop. And then I just stopped. It was the same with pot when I gave up marijuana. I used to smoke a lot of marijuana after giving up everything else. I was like, well, I'll still smoke pot. That gives me one vice. I'll still have a joint. I'll still be able to, you know, luxuriate in marijuana whenever I want. I can smoke charis. I can have some skunk when I want it. I can eat it. I can vape it. I can. And then I thought, "Now you just got to stop doing everything. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I just gave up everything. Wow. I don't expect people to do that. The same way I gave up, um, I gave up cooked food like that. Everybody's addicted to everybody's addicted to cooked food. Everybody, everybody. Whatever you say, we are not we are not genetically and we are not physically cooked food eaters. There's no other animal in the world that's got a cooking stove and some heat and fire and makes you know makes does food with food what we do. No other animal does that. Mm. So. I, I and my philosophy at one time was right. I'll just give up all cooked food and become 100% raw foodist straight away overnight. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't I don't expect people to do that, but I think you have to um, treat every individual idiosyncras- idiosyncratically. Like yeah. you've got to treat them all differently. And what's good for me isn't great for someone else. Mm. And 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 I found through years of experience and talking to lots of different people, replace a bad habit with a good habit. Yeah,
0: yeah, because that's what you were talking about in your last workshop. I I, thought yeah, that really- I think
3: that's a really important thing. Yeah, Ayengh uh, talks about it. Other yoga teachers talk about it. That you you can take that quantum leap. You can just leap into yeah. that into this state of yoga, but. Mm-hmm it's probably more practical for most people to um, to change slowly he also talks if you read light on life properly he talks about the way we acquire habits and that's very interesting as well Mm. he sees it as a pond and at the bottom of each pond there's a, a sediment a sediment of each habit so your smoking habit for example every time you have a cigarette you you make the mound at the bottom of the pond a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And the bigger the mounds get, the more addicted you are.
2: Yeah.
3: If, if you only have one cigarette a year, the mound's very small. Yeah. If you have 20 cigarettes a day, the mound's quite big and it's getting bigger. So you'll, yeah. you'll find it harder to give in because this, this growth, this mound of yeah. sediment has yeah. got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that applies to everything, to alcohol, to, to, heroin, all the substances. And then it also applies to the social the social addictions we have. Yeah the, yeah. the addictions within the pornography, gambling, social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any of the I do I do differentiate and make that difference between substance addiction and socials add- social addictions.
0: Yeah, like behavioral really also. Yeah. Like these but, behaviors but they are, both,
3: yeah, but they yeah. both they both sort of work in a similar way. Like the more the more you check your Instagram and the more you check your Twitter, the more you check your Instagram, the more you check your Twitter, the mm-hmm. more you smoke cigarettes, the more you smoke cigarettes. Yeah. You know, I, I at one point I'm sure I could chain smoke cigarettes quite easily. If I was out partying and I was taking cocaine, I could chain smoke joints quite easily. And 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 that that same substance addiction can be. Um, can be reflected in social addictions as well uh the more the more you watch pornography the more porn you want to watch and
2: mm. uh, the more you
3: gamble the more you the more you want to gamble uh, i'll just i'll just bet another twenty dollars i'll just bet another hundred dollars because i might win my money back
2: yeah
3: but if you could control your gambling it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a problem i said that before if you can control if you can control um, your habits you don't have you don't have to you don't have a need to. Go into recovery, you don't have a need to because you can control it. Yeah. I I can I can have one joint. That's fine. I can have one glass of wine. That's fine. But can you?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Can you just have one glass of wine? And do you not realize that one glass of wine is quite debilitating on your um when you become a social alcoholic or your liver, your liver actually scars really badly as soon as the alcohol touches your liver? So once you start getting Realising how how much of a tempo your body is, one glass of wine is not that great for you. No, no, being, no, no,
2: no, no, totally. You know what I mean, like, yeah. because
3: any any even when you get little bottles of them, um, even when you get little bottles of them, um, I don't know whatever they are, you know, essential oils that you take, they're all in alcohol. They're yeah. all in five percent alcohol. A lot of them that scars your liver irreparably. Yeah. It, it damages your liver so so the the sort of one glass of wine or the one cigarette a day or the i'll just smoke two joints a day i'll just smoke a vape i'll just i don't think that's any much much help to many people which is why personally and if you have if you have the spirit and if you have the heart i would always tell people to just abstain from everything that they want to abstain from Mm. and and go through the cold turkey go through the withdrawal Go, like,
2: go. Something
0: really interesting too that you were mentioning, and it's something that I always, always been thinking about. Like, because I've never been like in that sense, like a drug or dr- drugs or drinking addict. But do you always stay an addict, or do you say uh, you always say, an yeah. addict, or like how does
3: yeah, that? Been... You're. Uh, I always say you <laughs> It comes from a Scottish film, and it starts. Uh, My name is Stuart, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Hmm. Because every time in summer when I'm on the bike and I'm cycling about the West End and I've been teaching yoga and I'm going to the park and I see hundreds of people sitting out on the grass having beer, I do want a beer. I definitely Mm -hmm. want a beer. The same way as a vegan, when I see people having cream cheese and brie and smoked salmon bagels, I really want a smoked salmon bagel and cream cheese, but I know I'm not going to have it. You know, what I mean for 35 years I've never had it. So but I still got a craving for it, you know. I still got Are you a also craving... a recovering vegan. I do I know, I'm a recovering carnivore. <laughs> I, I I I definitely being brought up Scottish yeah. after 30 odd years of veganism, I still, still when I smell bacon and fried onions, I go, oh my god, that's bacon, isn't <laughs> it? That's sausages and fried onions. And, um, <laughs> And you you'll, you'll know yourself, you know, when you yeah. when you see someone having your favorite Dutch cheese on bread, sometimes you'll think, wow, remember what that used to taste like? That's really nice with a glass of wine, or that's really nice with a with a with pasta, you know, some yeah. you know, my pizza one would be something like gorgonzola, gorgonzola <laughs> pizza. I used to love gorgonzola pizza in one of the Italian <laughs> restaurants. And when I go out with my friends and I have a vegan pizza. And I look, and they're having a gorgonzola pizza. I go, wow, I know what that tastes like. And I used to really like that. Yeah. But I know what heroin tastes like, and I used to really like that. <laughs> I know what alcohol tastes like, and I used to like, really like that. I know what cocaine tastes like. I used to really like that.
0: Is it difficult to, to still, when you say, like, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, is it difficult to still have that word? It's as like, sort of like, you know.
3: What it is, it's time. It's making <laughs> space. For the first few months when you're apart from that addiction, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Whatever, whether it's a substance addiction or a social addiction, it's very difficult because it's a small period of time. See as that period of time becomes longer and longer and longer, and you've not had a cigarette for seven years, and you've not had any marijuana for four years, you don't really think that much about it, or when you do think about it, it's quite fleeting, it's a very quick addiction you go mm, it would be really nice to have some ecstasy and you watch the people have an ecstasy for 20 seconds and you go yeah but i'm not going to have any okay <laughs> and, and and i'm fine without it i don't know you know i'm I'm perfectly fine in my yogic state and i don't need anything like that and um, i think it's to do with space and time and it's not spatial time it's not like um I've given up for six years. Um, you could have given up for six days, and it, it's a very big pull on you not to have a cigarette. It's a very big pull on you not to have a not to have a drink of wine. But you know what? As that period gets longer and longer and longer, you should never look at it in spatial time and say, "I gave up smoking on the 23rd of October, 2021. I've not smoked for 425 days." Forget that. Forget yeah. that. Just mm. say I've not had it for a long time. And, and the period of time as it gets longer and longer and longer, then your fleeting desire lasts shorter and shorter and shorter.
0: Yeah, right. Makes sense.
3: Being a, being a big cyclist, I don't know what people are like in Amsterdam, but a lot of couriers and a lot of bike people, people who live on bikes, yeah, they'll they'll sit down in the pavement and smoke a joint. Yeah, so you sit in the pavement and you smoke a joint. And when I, was a, when I was cycling, years ago, we used to always stop at the same places and and have a joint. Hmm. And sometimes when I cycle by those places, I see people sitting and I know someone <laughs> having a joint. And I go, shit, I used to stop there and have a joint. And the first few months of doing that, I used to go out my way not to go near those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and when I DJed in a pub, I would never go and DJ and I would never play for years. I'd say, I can't DJ, I can't go to a nightclub because there's beer, there's ecstasy, there's cocaine, there's cigarettes. So I stopped doing them. And that's that's your satsang in a way. You mm. know, once you create your satsang, you have to completely make a a, a a cosmic shift of who you spend your time with. Yeah. Not forever, just for that period of time until you learn to deal with your addictions. Yeah. And the longer. Now now I can go to a nightclub I and mean, I'm 22 years without drugs 23 years without any drugs any alcohol and I can go to a nightclub and I can play records and I can stay in the club and I can watch people being stupid on drugs and listen to them for so long and then I lose my patience and I go home but before I couldn't (laughs) even before I couldn't even go there do you know what I mean
2: yeah
3: hi Stuart hi would you like a line of coke do you want to go for a joint hi would you like some ecstasy and after a while, they don't ask you anymore because they know you don't take anything anymore. So mm-hmm. they just let you do your own thing. Yeah.
2: So
3: yeah. I think it's to do with time.
2: Yeah.
3: I think it's to do with space, and the longer, the longer you're away from things, the easier it is to deal with the cravings, to deal with the addiction, which we've all have and we won't lose. And it's like an illness that's never cured.
0: Yeah, I just want to say that that's also what you mean, I guess. Also, with the addiction, is then not curable because it's it's always going to be there. No, it's just, always
3: going to be there. It's always you'll going to be always
0: there. be for the rest of your life. You'll be recovering absolutely. Exactly.
3: Yeah, you'll always be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And I think these people, a lot of the the, the people who are really experts in that field, yeah, I think yeah. they go along with that as well. Mm. I think they go along with that. I think they're pretty. You know, the people who work twenty four seven with ad, with addicted personalities. Uh, in substance and social, I think they sort of, I think they go along with that sort of thinking. But, yeah,
1: that uh, it's always there. Give it's, it's always there. there. Rehabs, I think their main technique is actually to, to yeah, to acknowledge that you are uh, an addict. Yeah. First. yeah. first, you acknowledge, and then you deal with whatever you need to deal. But like, mm-hmm. the acknowledgement right. of uh, yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Because then you yeah, can yeah. face yeah. else. Yeah. You yeah. face your own fears. You can face your own addiction. You can yeah.
3: face... That's the second. Yeah. That's the second step.
1: Yeah, but that's I do, the... have, uh, I do have... uh Miguel has a question, Stu. Stu, when you yeah, uh, you mentioned that you kind of quit uh, drugs like uh, overnight,
3: uh, you did well, it. I can. But... I can. Most people can. I can. I'm pretty sure I can.
1: Yeah, very unique, definitely very unique. Yeah. Uh, but did you do it because you start feeling uh, bad in the sense that uh, most people I know, whenever they're having fun with drugs, they don't stop, obviously, because that's yeah, yeah. the best feeling ever. Yeah. Only when they start getting either consequences of those, meaning bad consequences of the of yeah, yeah. drug uh, drug um, abuse abuse or. Uh, okay, was i, think, I think think my, it was just you shifting your life and changing your life uh yeah
3: i think um, i think ecstasy ecstasy has got a lot to do with a lot of things in my life like proper ecstasy mdma and uh, mdma can definitely give you a shift and it can actually it can actually act as a a sort of something that's going to give you a, basically a push. Mm-hmm. And and the great thing I found with ecstasy was um, I'm one of those people that really enjoyed every drug. I, I, most of the time, I really enjoyed a lot of the drugs. Yeah, I really was like a psychonaut. I really enjoyed DMT. I enjoyed ayahuasca. I enjoyed LSD-25. I enjoyed LSD 25. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, the liberation and the freedom I got from drugs. And um, I wasn't one of those people who were like sort of dark in a tunnel about drugs. I was quite... Yeah. As you say, I I had fun with them.
2: Yeah. And
3: um, the famous, the famous boy George once said, "I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't regret the drugs that I've taken." And I'm the exact same. I don't regret all the drugs I've ever taken. I don't have any regrets about them at all. I wish I just hadn't taken so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he he said the same thing. Yeah. And then, uh, and I wish I hadn't hurt so many people. That's, yeah. that's another thing because. The, the the thing we're doing in the next addiction session is writing on a page of paper who you want to apologize to the people you fucked up while you were on drugs or you were addicted to oh. drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think in my head, mm. I had fucked up so many people in my life because of drugs. And um, my physical health wasn't working. And so it probably went in this order I'm a fucking horrible person. I fucked up a lot of people. And it's time for this to stop, yeah. Because you being yeah. a drug dealer is different as well. I sold a lot of drugs, so being in that environment with people who dealt in drugs and the personalities of drug dealers, because a lot of them can you have to be quite hard. It's the same in any country. You have to you have to be able to look after yourself. You have to have a you have to have an attitude. Mm-hmm. And then so the people had fucked up. My physical health was another thing. Mm -hmm. like when when my Scottish people have got a terrible habit of dying from cirrhosis of the liver if you if you drink a lot we start drinking when we're young so it's the same as drinking a bottle of Geneva every day when you're 12 we used to start (laughs) drinking we used to start drinking whiskey when we were 12 and it's quite Uh... cultural right yeah yeah I mean I used to drink in the local pub with the policeman when I was 13 (laughs) the local the local policeman would buy me whiskey and it wouldn't be like, you're, you're only 14. I can't, you know, you should be in a pub. It was like, do you want another drink? And my dad and mum would give me whiskey. And, you know, it is just a cultural thing. We just drink. Same way Irish people and Danish people. And, you know, we got a big appetite for alcohol. And we've got strong constitutions. So you don't ever get as drunk as other people. You know, you're always yeah. looking for more and more and more. So I think when I went to the doctor and he said, your liver's in a terrible state. Your kidney's not working very well. And um, what have you been doing? Your teeth are terrible. My teeth were totally rotten, and that's why I've got new teeth. Mm. And then, um, and then um, that day I stopped. That day, that day I went out and bought two books on raw food and then um, became 100% vegan raw food on the Monday, and that was on the Friday.
2: Yeah. And I had
3: really bad come downs and really bad months of being isolated away from people couldn't hang out with my mates couldn't go and see girlfriends couldn't go to parties couldn't do anything because i wanted to stop and i was doing yoga every day mm. i was doing yoga i was doing asana. i was doing ashtanga vinyasa mysore every day and then um, i'd go to bed at eight in the morning get up at four and practice and then um, and i completely left all my left everyone behind so and the answer to your question miguel it was, I was still having fun, but the fun was harming other people.
2: Yeah.
3: And harming other people and ill health and the threat of not living for very long after seeing a lot of your friends dying from different drug problems and not making it by 50 or whatever, not making it by 40 at that time it was. Um, You know, Scottish people die at 40 from cirrhosis of the liver. It's not unheard of. You know, it's, <laughs> and where I come from it's crazy. The, the actual mortality rate in an area of glasgow where i used to live is 57.
2: wow
0: if you yeah. go to cam
3: if you go to cambridge it's 72. yeah, yeah. that's crazy so that's a 20 years 15 20 almost 25 years difference in a different part of britain do you know what i mean yeah because yeah. because of the way we were brought up the way we were brought up was if there was no if there was no pot if there was no hash to smoke you smoked heroin that was just what you did. Yeah. yeah. On a Friday night, if you didn't have any hash, you'd smoke heroin. And um, by the time you're 19, 18, 19, you're pretty used to it and you've got a strong constitution. And having that in your body for so long had the obvious bad, bad effects. So um I think harming people, the realisation that I was harming people, my ex-wife, my girlfriend's, my my children, my, I wasn't being the best father in the world for my boys who who lived with their mother. Um, then the ill health, and then the um, there's a financial side to it as well. You know, there's uh, if you spend if you if you make four hundred pounds a day selling drugs and you spend five hundred pounds a day on drugs, mm. um, you don't have any money left. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can't get a mortgage being a drug dealer you can't you know you can't yeah. you have to live you have to live in the black economy yeah, so yeah. You're, in a, you're in a different place as well financially mm. so i think that had something to do with it as well i had nothing i had a squat at the crack at the crack house do you know what i mean i lived in a really nice crack really nice squat but um it wasn't you know i had two children who came to stay with me in a squat do you know, yeah. what I mean? uh, because I could afford to live a good life with the money I made just because I would, if I made £200 in drugs, I could maybe spend £300 a day, Do you know, what I mean, days like that would pass, so there was probably a financial aspect to it as well, like a sensibility, financial mm. like sensibility and responsibility for my children.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I hope that answers your question, but... Um, yeah, yeah it did
1: but it's because,
3: amazing how yeah how you um after gold a while turkey.
1: Rea- yeah rea- and realize
3: that yeah, you, you uh, start you lie and look at the cool. ceiling you just lie and look at the ceiling ah, you're lying to yeah. just don't move yeah just, that's all I did I yeah. just and when I wanted to move I tried to do some asana but my body was so sore sometimes I couldn't do much so we do like um child's pose pigeon asana. I would do mm-hmm. like up against the wall, kareni. Uh, mm-hmm. I would do breathing and try and do some, you know, I just, and then the rest of the time I just lie in Shavasana. Mm-hmm. And then I kept on thinking if I keep drinking water, if I keep flushing it out of my body, in three or four days I won't be an addict anymore, you know, I mm-hmm. won't be because I'll flush it out of my body. And um, I just kept on staring at the ceiling, to be honest. Yeah, because
0: um, you, as you were saying, and you say this a lot, also in your classes, like yoga, will, yoga will seriously interfere with your with your addiction.
3: Totally, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's Amazing. what. That's what. Yeah. because this if
0: you what, at, what, what do you think you people...
3: up at four in the morning to practice every day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it a, Will seriously
2: then, interfere.
0: You're
3: not. You're not going to go out at twenty twelve <laughs> o'clock the night before, are you? You're like, no. hi, but, hi, friends, hi, mates. I'm going home. The like that. Um, it's only eight o'clock, and I was like, Yeah, but I got up at four o'clock. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's yeah. how that's one way the yoga interferes with your yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. In a good way, you don't have to do it forever. I mean, mm-hmm. after doing it for 13 years, I sort of gave up yeah because I, I just became like a monk. Yeah. My friends, a couple of my friends still go to bed at 7 30 pm and get up at 2 30 am. Yeah, yeah. And they're the a yoga yeah, shower. Exactly. And that's their lifestyle. Yeah. they're happy with that they never had any addiction problems they never had anything they just they're happy doing that yeah they, that's they, the way you, they know, is. you know they like getting on their bike at, yeah, at yeah. two in the morning and cycling to the shala stay there till about nine teach a bit till 10 yeah do the practice teach till about 10 and then the rest of the day they stay awake until seven or eight and, and uh, I was
0: asking Miguel the same questions too. Like, what do you think? Why are people why why do people get addicted? Like, why 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 is addiction such a big problem in the world?
3: Trauma. I I this took me a while to work out, but after doing some some um, I did some sessions with some ayahuasca healers and some other people, and I came to the conclusion: it's mostly for me and the people I know. It's mostly trauma. It's mm. mostly something traumatic that's happened in their life that they want to forget about. Mm. They always reach for the drug, where it's something. It's like when you're meditating and a thought comes in your head and you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want that thought in your head. Mm. Yeah. And when I say to people when they're meditating, just accept that thought because it won't be there for long and something else will come along. And when you're in life and you're sitting at the breakfast table and a thought comes into your head and it's very traumatic and very upsetting for you, make a joint and have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. that will that, help, that will help deal with the trauma. Or when it comes really badly, you, you replace it with hard, you know, harder drugs. And I think most people drink alcohol, take drugs, because they don't want to face up to the traumas in their life. They don't want to face up to the things that cause them anxiety. They don't want to face up to the things that make them depressed. Mm-hmm. They don't want to wake up to the things where the traumatic episode in their life is reoccurring within their mind over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I definitely took drugs for that reason quite a lot. And I know people in similar situations. And I think, Jen, that's only one reason. But I think it's a very widespread reason of Mm -hmm. why a lot of people take a lot of mind-altering drugs because it helps you forget the bad things in life. It helps you forget your bad relationship it helps you forget your bad parenthood it helps you forget your bad parenting it helps you forget your bad job you know off oh, i hate that job that's a typical one isn't it how many people how many people work in jobs that they hate i was a lawyer i used to go and live with lawyers day in day out being in a legal setting and they were so unhappy they'd be like could you get me a gram of coke could you yeah. get me three grams of coke <laughs> Do you want to go for a drink? And I was like, um, "It's 11 a.m. I don't drink at 11 a.m." <laughs> you could tell their whole life was unhappy. Yeah. They didn't want to be a lawyer. They didn't want to be a contract lawyer. It's really just numbing lawyer. it all
0: in a way, numbing it. So I
3: think I think when people are in a job and they see it as a dead end job that they don't like, that's traumatic for people. That's like, that's so upsetting that they will turn to drink and drugs, or they'll turn to gambling, or they'll turn to porn. they'll turn to some of the social addictions and even in that session we had the last last week there was a there was a guy in it and he said um it's great we go through all these things but i i know he works for he works for zoom okay i won't mention his name but he works for a huge multinational and he's got to go there every morning at nine in the morning and stay there till five and he goes five days a week and he needs that job to pay for his he said i need that job to pay for my rent to pay for my lifestyle and he's got yoga thank god to give him a support he's got that crutch of yoga mm-hmm. other people don't have that crutch of yoga like we've got they've yeah. got, they've got wine they've got marijuana they've got yeah, protein, exactly they've got, and if you look at people in professional jobs whether if you look at people in amsterdam who are, are accountants who are lawyers who are business people who are secretaries who are admin workers most of them don't like their job most Mm -hmm. of them are pretty unsatisfied in fact that's one of the reasons i enjoy teaching people to be teachers so they can get away from their crap dead-end jobs and (laughs) do something more useful with their life yeah because i was like that i after being a lawyer i just walked in and i said i can't do this anymore and, the, and the, my lawyer was, my boss was good. He just said, Yeah, I understand that. What are you going to do? I'm going to India to teach myself yoga. And he goes, Oh, that's good. And yeah. I thought, like, Yeah, yeah, it is good. It is. You know, I've saved up enough money to live in India for a year or whatever. And yeah. I'm going to just go and live in India. And, um, and that was the start of me being a yoga teacher. And I never, ever did another legal job. Well, I did do some voluntary legal work, but I never did a paid legal job again. Mm. And I never sold drugs again. And I never worked for IBM again and I never worked for yeah. in restaurants and food and I never did raw food restaurants and I never did whatever, you know, vegan food. And I never had to do any of that again because I believed in what I was doing freed me from all the trauma. Of yeah. You know, I, I ran a juice bar for two, three years before juice bars were trendy. I had a vegan organic mm. cafe before vegan organic cafes were trendy. No yeah. one came no one came but we worked really hard to make hardly any money and, yeah. I, and I thought I don't want to do this for the rest of my life so I'll just take some drugs up and, make help and forget about it and that was the same as being a lawyer you yeah know, I don't want to I didn't want to have to face up to the trauma of a dead-end job and I think a lot of people are in that situation you probably know people like that I know people like that
0: yeah I think yeah I think we all know uh
3: we all know people. Yeah. We all know yeah. people, we all know people so like that are very unhappy.
0: But do you okay. feel still like is there also like because that's something you once said, and I know that from Jiva Mukti, is like, you know, do you feel like sometimes you've got to be careful though that you don't replace an addiction with another addiction? Because even yoga yeah, yeah. can also be yeah. very addictive, right? Yeah, there's
3: nothing there's nothing wrong with replacing a bad habit with a good habit. Mm-hmm. But you must realize if you're going to achieve yoga, you've got to give up the good habit as well yeah eventually mm-hmm. eventually yeah, yeah because that's all raga and dvesha remember yeah so you have raga and you have dvesha they're the same side they're the same coin but just different sides so like your aversion your to something can cause you to have an attraction to something mm. and um, so i see my attractions as raw chocolate <laughs> cashew cashew ice cream <laughs> and, Things that I'm really addicted to, like I couldn't live without, vitamin B12 powder, sea moss. I'm totally addicted to sea moss at the moment. I couldn't go a day without sea moss, so I soak my own sea moss and I make my own gel and I have it in my smoothies and I have two a day and I have my B12 twice a day. And I have my medjool dates. I'm really addicted to medjool. Yeah, you say it all
0: the time when right, in I'm like, I'm always I like, I have really to, like
3: to get my dates, the dates <laughs> I want, not shitty dates. Um, I, used, I used to be addicted to fermented brown rice. It's a Japanese thing called am. Amazaki. Yeah. Called Amazaki. It's really yeah. sweet brown rice. It tastes like yeah. sugar. Absolutely.
2: And I used to oh, I really cycle.
3: Like I used to cycle to whole food shops. To spend six pounds in a big jar and sit and eat it. She had to be like, you're terrible. And I would have a whole cupboard full of empty <laughs> jars. And I got addicted to durian. You know durian, the smelly fruit from yeah. Thailand, the one that smells really badly. Yeah. Right. I used to spend 150 pounds a day on fruit. Wow. That's 200 euros a day yeah. on fruit because yeah. I was addicted to durian. I was a mono fruitarian, mm. So I only ate one fruit at a time when i went to jiva marty teacher training i freaked them out completely patrick (laughs) broom had no idea what i was (laughs) gabriella and patrick broom looked at me and said you eat what and i was like i eat 12 figs at once i eat six oranges at once i eat five apples at once i don't mix my food i only eat monocritarian food so there you go there's one of the habits yeah (laughs) Like I, I gave myself a really good habit because there's nothing better than being a raw food, organic fruitarian. It's mm. the best thing you can do. But your teeth fall out. <laughs> My yeah. teeth weren't great at first anyway. And I ended up being what is called orthorexic.
0: Yeah, I remember you mentioned Yeah.
3: The mm-hmm. fear of eating something like a bag of chips and mayonnaise. Yeah. If I ate chips and mayonnaise, I would be totally ill. -hmm. But now I can, now I can quite comfortably. But I don't weigh 52 kilos anymore. Mm -hmm. At one point I weighed 52 kilos. Yeah, that's because all I had eaten was no fat, only fruit and green vegetables. Yeah. Uh, So that made me realise that the Buddha only became enlightened when he accepted the bread and water from from someone to eat, and Mm -hmm. that's the middle path. Yeah. That's the middle middle path. That's Mm -hmm. that's the balanced way of doing it. Yeah. So like you but if you're stupid like me, you might want to go from one extreme to the other and prove that you can do yourself, or you can be clever and you can just replace the bad habits with good habits and then gradually move in get ready, get rid of your good habits. Because that would be your
0: that would be your advice for people that struggle
3: yeah follow the middle path yeah follow the middle path is this straightforward buddhist philosophy of not it used to freak me out that i used to do a lot of fasting i used to fast on urine for 28 days i used to i used to do lots of real weird fasts on coffee enemas and things like that Mm
1: -hmm. and then
3: at the same time when i became orthorexic and when i started having like uh, parasitical attacks from the fruit i was eating you got a lot of parasites from raw food by the way mm-hmm. if you're 100 percent raw food for three years your body is full of parasites yeah because there's so many parasites in raw fruit and especially in fruit that your body becomes really populated with parasites and you're wow. you're not the highest thing sharon gannon had it as well me yeah i Shari, think
2: for,
0: you mentioned that yeah
3: when she saw me even i was really ill. she goes that's exactly what i had and it's like a flesh-eating disease donna karan had it quite a few of us had it in new york and we went to this guy called david job and he treated us for it mm. and that was for unspecified parasitical viruses they didn't know what the parasite was but mm. it was eating our skin away and yeah it was, and and i think if you do go to those extremes that's one of the risks that you have to take yeah So then i found buddhism and the way Buddhism explains with the middle path, you don't have to fast for 28 days. And yogis don't have, yoga, fasting's not part of yoga. A lot of people thought that fasting was an integral part of yoga. Maybe for one day in a week, it's a good thing to do to rest your body. But doing extreme fasts like what we did, like 28 <laughs> days on you, right, and 28 days on coffee enemas and nothing else, my friends do dry fasts. Mm-hmm. No water. Wow. That's a really weird one. Yeah. Got, yeah, that is a really weird one. I've got the guy, the guy who promotes... Yeah, I was going
0: to say, I think it's really dangerous. Too. Yeah, I've got
3: his, yeah. I've got his book here. I've got his book, it's somewhere in my library. I had it the yeah. other day. I might, might have moved it downstairs. I was reading it the other day because I thought I'd give it a go. Just yeah. to see what he gets out of it, right? Yeah. I, I don't think it's healthy at all, but he's actually a leading NASA engineer. He's uh-huh. a really bright guy. And yeah. He does, he does dry fast. That's no water, nothing. Because how long
0: do they go on dry fasts?
3: You can go dry fast like five, seven days. Wow. And and according to every doctor in the world, that is so unhealthy. Yeah. But like, wow. I don't know. I'll try and show you the book one day when you come over. It's quite an interesting Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Let's try to find quite it.
3: an interesting book. But yeah. um, anyway, that, that, that's in relation to extremists. Um, yeah. And I think the best way is for most people is to just find that middle path right the middle path
0: and I, I also really like what you said in the in the workshop um about like admitting you have an addiction and then sort of like asking yourself that question what do you want to change what kind of i think you were mentioning the pain and fear you might associate with that change and um mm-hmm. yeah the cost of benefit of that change like did you ask yourself these questions as well because they're yeah, good yeah. questions to yeah.
3: I, I thought when i was you know when you um, you know when you have an addiction to something and it's something that you you get a great what Miguel was talking about earlier, when you have a when Miguel says, did you get fun out of it? Did you enjoy doing it? And you do enjoy a lot of those things, don't you? You enjoy a lot of those addictions, you know, whether it's um, after a meal, you'll see it in a social circle in Amsterdam. After a meal, people like smoking a joint. People <laughs> do that here. We all We've all done, I've done that and we've all done that in my circle for years. You, have, you, have a, you go around someone's house, you have a meal and after it, you have a joint and a cup of coffee or whatever. But that sort of social habit where you do have something that you really enjoy and you think, well, life won't be as good if you don't do that anymore. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You always have that in the back of your mind. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy red wine and cheese at the same time. You know, you've been brought up with eating a baguette and and camembert and red wine if you're living in France or you're in holiday in Portugal or something. Mm. And you think, well, life will never be the same. And you think at first that's going to be sad. But it's it's a bit like if you read aanga and you read, I have to find the pages for you and tell you what pages they are, where he actually talks about the mound and he talks about this whole system that he has when he's dealing with it in relation to kosher of how all you're doing is building up a samskara. All yeah. you're doing is building up a karmic imprint in your mind. Yeah. But that's a good thing. I really enjoy doing it. And life won't be the same if I don't do it anymore. Mm. Of course it will. It'll be the exact same as if you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. going to be any different whatsoever. Yeah. You know, life yeah. is going to be the same. In fact, it'll probably be better because you've replaced smoking that that drum light with your joint and taking the tobacco and giving you throat cancer and giving you chest problems you're going to actually have a better life than you would have had if you if you didn't give up that joint after so whatever you're whatever you're craving and your thirst the word they use in Buddhism and Sanskrit is craving and th- th- thirst when you have a thirst for something, when you have a craving for something. Yeah. And it is it's quite, it's quite good when they talk about attachment and, and yeah. they, they always talk about a thirst. I forget the Sanskrit word, but um we were talking about it in Buddhism the other day when we were with a lecturer and we were talking about um if the first if the first noble truth is that everybody is born to suffer, you then ask, why is everyone born to suffer? Because they have a thirst and a craving for things. Mm. We always have a thirst and a craving for things. And that usually leads to us suffering. Mm. So the very first noble truth in Buddhism deals yeah. with that as well. It, the four noble truths, truths deal with everything. But the first noble truth always rang true because it rang true for me because it was my thirst, my attachment, my desire, my craving for um, my raga. i call it what you want. And a lot of those lead to suffering, lead to dukkha.
2: Yeah.
3: So um, yeah. I, I wish I had my books handy. I've not got all my books <laughs> with me. I like, I've got. You can't see my room, but there's a whole wall. Yeah, but you, you, you,
0: there. you, you're, you said the same the other day. Like, my never life, the one. It's mind. never the one you
3: want, is it? It's but I'm sure. I'm one. sure.
0: I'm sure. You. You know. You I know.
3: Can. I know. One of them is just. Have you got light on life? Like,
0: yeah, I'm no, like, the the, um, the books yeah. you're mentioning, uh, I have
3: them, yeah. yeah. I usually keep a copy. In the last, ever since lockdown, I've treated that a bit like a Bible. So yeah. this one, I've got three copies, and I've got one that I scribble on and one that I write on, and then I've got a pristine copy. and then, course, <laughs> I keep one in each bag. And um, the thing I love about it is he addresses everything that we've just been talking about. Yeah. In a very, you know, the great thing about these books, everybody thinks B.K.S. Iyengar wrote them. He didn't. Oh. He he talked he talked his ideas, and then the two then sub- else was them down. Sub- Writers put it into uh, Smart. So the two people who were partly responsible for this book was a guy called John G. Evans, mm-hmm. who lectured in philosophy at Cambridge, and right. Douglas Abrams, who was a. The religion editor at the University of California Press. So wow. he sat down and talked to them, and then they put it into proper English.
2: Yeah, if yeah, they, yeah. If you yeah.
3: ever talked to Patabi Joyce or you ever talked to Ayenga, yeah, they, they would yeah. write they would write the same way they would write the same way that they talk.
0: Yeah, I just want to say like that's that's a very different kind of English, I would say.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to see. If you want to see how they talk, read a book like that, Discourses on Yoga by Prashant Ayenga. <laughs> that yeah. is absolutely unintelligible. <laughs> it's so difficult to read and understand, whereas this yeah. is so coherent and so cogent and cognitive to read. Yeah. And the, the things he talks about habits, he says, in practical terms, most of us have built up negative habits. You want to turn them into positive habits and then into no habits. As progress reaches into the subtle levels of kosher, you don't avoid smoking because you're a non-smoker or because smoking is bad. You're not invoking a duality of good versus bad. You do not have to bite off your tongue to avoid giving an angry retort to people who come to irritate you. You're not being self-consciously good. It simply becomes second nature to be free. You might give an angry answer to a rude person, you might give a courteous answer to a rude person. But either way, you act in freedom. You act appropriately, unconditioned by the past. So he talks about anger being a habit as well. Yeah. And I, I find that really relevant
2: because I had really a big great.
3: problem with anger.
2: Yeah.
3: And yeah. He, says, he says, sometimes when I'm teaching, it's necessarily, I do this as well, it's necessary for me to act the role of anger. I have to appear... Mercifully, mess merc, mercilessly merciful. Mm-hmm. Someone used to call me "Ming the Merciless," "Ming <laughs> the Merciful," in order to have to save students from themselves. The anger response is appropriate, but I am not attached to the anger. The anger road does not disturb the bottom of the lake when he's talking about the mounds yeah. at the bottom, right? And it doesn't, and it creates a pattern. As soon as I turn away from the student in anger, it's gone. Yeah. You'll find yourself when you're teaching. You might have to be angry with some people to stop them hurting themselves.
0: Yeah, I, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so my my teacher, Mick, was always like that. Yeah, he would he would call people out like you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. You're a fucking idiot, mate. What are you doing?
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you're gonna hurt yourself. Stop doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you have been stupid. People have said that to me as that, like, you've been stupid. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, probably. Yeah, we <laughs> stop doing that because you can't do it. Yeah. And, like, and I thought, oh my God, you're really rude. And then i thought, this is just the same as a as a as a social, like the anger thing can be like when you have it for other people on the street when someone nearly runs you over on your bike or knocks you over on the mm-hmm. road and you get angry. That's real anger. You yeah. know, that that that's not that's not there for the yoga class. Mm-hmm. So you've got to deal with that anger the same way you've got to deal with your addictions. Otherwise you go through life just being angry, and yeah. being like, you know, and, you, yeah. and it, it's, it's funny great. how he, yeah, funny how he puts the three things,
0: absolutely, you know, yeah,
3: together like and, that, like and into addiction, and dealing with it as a habit, because then <laughs> anger becomes a habit,
0: but it makes sense that from habit, comes addiction, right, because from habit, you become, yeah, 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 yeah craving, yeah. and then from this craving, you kind it's of, exactly
3: you know, what he taught, yeah, that's exactly what he says, perfect,
2: yeah,
3: yeah, if, if, um, if, if you really if miguel if miguel is really angry with you every day and he he gets angry with you maybe two or three times a day then it becomes an addiction and it becomes he becomes angry with you 10 times a day then mm. he just becomes angry with you all the time because that's yeah. how he feels towards you because he's angry yeah. and that, that's the exact same as what you said It just builds up and builds up and builds up yeah. the same way the smoking builds up the smoking builds up the alcohol builds up the drugs build up so it's habitual behavior, whether it's either, because it's dealing with koshas, it's not just a material thing. It's yeah, not yeah. just a physical thing. It's mm. also the same way your thoughts can be interpreted yeah, as being tamasic, rajasic, or sattvic, or yeah. your thoughts can be within one of the seven koshas. It's the exact same, like they build up into an addiction. Um, what about people who look for sympathy? People who cry easily. you ever met people and they cry and they they cry because they want attention
2: Mm.
3: yeah and they've had they've done it all their lives so the time they get to a certain age as soon as they feel um neglected negated ignored they cry Mm. they cry i I know people that do that that's because it's a habit Mm. or or they get rude yeah they get rude with you you're like why are you being rude to me because they've been rude all their life and that habit's built up and built up. Yeah, exactly. Up it's, it's much easier to be rude than to be nice to you.
2: Yeah. yeah. So
3: I think that's really interesting when you start reading his attitude on habits. That yeah. It's not, it's not just the habits that we relate to in substance or, or social habits, but also um, metaphysical, so to speak, mm. habits and, and the way we, emotional habits, spiritual habits. Yeah, you know you can become spiritually attached, you know. Oh, don't! Oh, mm-hmm. and of course, yeah, yeah. And the habit gets bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: Yeah. Ah, so. uh Spocky's uh, uh dreaming at the moment. He's, uh, uh, he's in the background I'm making funny noises. Mika, we we need to wrap wrap the addiction part uh, up soon. Do you have another question <laughs> for uh, for Stu, uh, Miguel? No, I always find uh he's. uh Talks very interesting. It's funny. Sue, <laughs> you know, yes, always have, yeah. always listens to you, uh, too, when, uh, when you're in class. Oh and sometimes he's in the kitchen. He's like, oh, wow, I really love what he's saying. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Same <laughs> same
3: yeah. And she's stuck in an asana trying to do a headstand. And-
0: Exactly, yeah, in I mean, legs quickly you comes and assists me. But uh, just to wrap it up, Stu, what would you would you, would you have some advice to someone, like of course, you you know your your workshops are full of them, but what what would be your advice for someone dealing um, with who's listening?
3: Oh, God, I think it depends on the individual. Um, mm. It depends who I would be talking to, and it would probably be different advice for many different people, different types of advice for different people. But um, just try and be, I don't, try and be, remember the Jeeva mukti one, <laughs> the three Henry James is be kind, be kind, be kind. So um, try and be kind to everyone else before you be kind to yourself first, because mm-hmm. really we hurt a lot of people and, and we don't really realise it a lot until we look back in retrospect till we get to a certain age in life. Where you realise how many people you've hurt, and mm. um, and think about your actions, as you might be. How many how many yoga practitioners have you seen who who go on and on about ahimsa and they're vegans and they're and they um, you know the I practice ahimsa. Ahimsa is so important, you know, and they're not. They haven't. They haven't been. I, I definitely was not very ahimsic when I was younger. And I definitely would love to go back in time and fix some of those things. But you can't go back in time. And when Russell Brand says, um, write down all the things that are fucking you up or have ever fucked you up and don't lie, don't leave anything out. (laughs) It was one Jiva teacher and she wrote down a list of all the people she had fucked up and then tried to go all the way around the world to say sorry to everyone of them. <laughs> yeah, well, you were mentioning at the last workshop. I'm like, that's tiring. <laughs> spent two to three years doing it. Yeah. Wow. And she ended up not too, not too well. For but, don't go to that extreme. But realize that you're harming other people in ways that you can't even possibly imagine. Yeah. And then. Um, then other pieces of advice I would say um, well I'm the same I'm, I'm the I'm the don't do things by half measures person so mm-hmm. if you hate, if I just tell people I even tell the most poshest celebrities and rich people, people who are never going to have anything to worry about in, your, in their life but they're never happy have you noticed that? A lot of really rich people are never yeah, really yeah, that yeah, happy yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of really successful celebrities they're never really that happy and yeah. i said look if you're that unhappy with life my favorite anarchist philosophy philosopher taught me if you hate something change something
0: yeah absolutely hundred percent if
3: you hate your job change it if you hate your life and your relationship <laughs>
0: that's advice
3: too if you hate yeah. something change it you, cool. on on one of our squats it's a 57a anarchist bookshop in south london that used to be sprayed on the wall. If yeah. you hate something, change something. Yeah. And I think I think that was, you asked me earlier, like the both of you asked me what what made you do, what made you change, and I was like, because I just hated things. I yeah. just hated being ill, hated having trauma, hated, hated um, hurting people. I just thought, well, if I'm going to change things that I hate, you actually have to change. You don't just talk about it. How many? How many people do you see that talk about things and say, "I I was going to start yoga, but I'm not too sure when," and I was going to become (laughs) a vegan, but I didn't. It's a good thing. Maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll do it soon. And I was like, "Why do you want to do it? Oh, because I hate my diet or I hate my life at the moment. I hate the way I feel. We'll change it then.
0: Yeah, tomorrow.
3: Yeah, don't don't talk about changing it. Change it. Just go actually do it. Put action. A good one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go do it. I yeah. think I might have that on my gravestone if you hate something. Hate <laughs> we'll uh, something. remember that That's too. A yeah, with a big, e, <laughs> with a big e in a circle if you hate no, something.
0: Is, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really nice way of, of wrapping um, this episode up. Thank you so
3: much for chatting with
0: us. And um, I'll I'll Thanks. put some of the books in the notes, in the show notes. And thank you, Miguel. Yeah, this, this,
3: if anyone gets to read this book, they are the most advanced metaphysical. Yeah, 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 yeah. This
2: of course
0: it's is called curious.
3: "Discourses on Yoga" by Prashant Ayanga. I think you can only buy it from the Ramayani Ayanga Institute. And, yeah,
0: well, uh, <laughs> and 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 the the other beautiful recovery books you have there. I'll put them in the yeah, show.
3: Yeah, Russell Brand's worth reading because Russell Brand is. I really really. enjoy done uh, it himself. Enjoy
2: and, um, Russell Brand.
3: And the twelve-step one is Lyndon Finley. Yeah. Who, yeah, Lyndon Finley. She's yeah, a um, she's a recovery specialist doctor. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna put
3: them hey. up. thank
0: you and thank you everybody for listening um you know it will be good to yourself be kind 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 and goodbye thank you all so very much for listening to go for your life i really appreciate it and if you liked it you know what to do please leave a review leave a comment share it amongst friends do whatever you can do to support me and this podcast because it is my life thank you very much miguel For doing the editing Thank you so much Maria For your beautiful designs Thank you Sparky For being the best co-host ever Thank you Animals Worldwide For your daily inspiration To keep me going For always putting that fuel in me Thank you so so much Because we know the drill right Namaste vegan Go 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 For your life